Branding Badass, and welcome to Season 2 of Branding Matters. My guest today is Danny Thompson, a tech visionary and the founder and CEO of Unique, a real-time technology platform that built and launched the first AI-powered digital human project. Danny's entrepreneurial track record includes developing games at the ripe old age of eight years old, and he founded a telecommunications company when he was just 25. Danny has earned several accolades, which include winning the Sir Richard Branson Virgin Business Challenge and Deloitte Fast 50 New Zealand Awards as one of the country's fastest growing businesses. I invited Danny to be a guest on my show to talk about digital humans. I wanted to learn what they are and why are they considered a main ingredient for brands who want to automate and scale immersive customer interactions in the metaverse. And I was curious to get Danny's point of view on how the metaverse is changing the way businesses are creating brand equity. Danny, welcome to Branding Matters. Great. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so nice to have you. So where is that accent from? Uh, This is a New Zealand accent. So I live in Austin, Texas. But uh, my family and I, we moved here in 2019, so just before the craziness happened. Oh, uh, wow. We, we, we weren't responsible for it, just put yeah. that out there. But, yeah. <laughs> so what part of New Zealand are you from? Uh, so I w- was originally born in a little town called Papamoa, which is a beach town in the North Island of, of New Zealand, but spent most of my growing up and adult years in Auckland, which is the largest city in New Okay. Zealand. Yeah, I know it very well. My brother-in-law is actually from Auckland. So, oh, no way. Yeah, his name is Max, but we call him Meeks. <laughs> Uncle Meeks. He's great. He's been in Canada for, oh my God, I think probably 30 years, but he still has quite a thick accent. Well, that's great. I love, uh, I haven't been to New Zealand. I've been to Australia though, and I spent a year there. So I love it in that part of the world. Yeah, it's a beautiful spot. Australia is amazing. New Zealand, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, is just another level again. Oh, that's what I've been told. So yeah, very much so. Well, great. Well, it's really great to have you here. I love how people connect since I started my podcast and I've been meeting so many great, interesting people. And then they're introducing me to so many amazing people like yourself. So really happy to have you here today. I think it's a very interesting, relevant topic. So thank you for joining us. So before we get into it, I want to go back a little bit to your childhood because I found it really interesting when I was doing my research on you that you developed video games at eight years old, which I yeah. found interesting. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Like what inspired you? And do you remember your first game that you created? I do. Yeah, I remember it well. <laughs> uh, it was actually one of my first business ventures, funnily enough, as well, because um, I, I have to do like a shout out to my dad, especially. He was pretty instrumental when when I grew up I actually had uh, a family that was didn't have a lot uh, was, um, but my my dad worked really hard and he knew that uh, already at a very young age I was very interested in technology so he actually sold his car and would uh, carpool or hitchhike to work every day so we could have this Commodore 64 for any Commodore 64 fans out there and then you'll know how old I am too probably I didn't have anything really to go from other than the Commodore 64 manual and a book I got from the library on how to code games on Commodore 64 so I started just self-learning and the first game I built uh, I used to love this tv show called Sequest and so I built this game that was based off the tv show and uh, it was just an adventure journey one 
But the cool thing was my friends started coming over and they wanted, as it started progressing, they all wanted to play it. <laughs> so I charged them to play the game. And you're eight so, years old. Yeah. Oh my, my God, good for you. <laughs> so, and they literally paid to play this game. Unfortunately, it been a, a one-man band. The game didn't evolve quick enough to keep the revenue streams coming and I lost interest. And I moved on to other games that I started building at that time. But it was a really amazing kind of time where I fell in love with what you could create with technology. And that set the course forever from ah, that time. That's amazing. And I have to say kudos to your dad, because how many parents would sell their family car to get their son this first computer? That's pretty amazing. So that's, yeah, wow. It's nice that you appreciate it. Can you tell your kids that story? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do tell them that story. And yeah. it's funny, like just thinking about what it meant to me as an adult but funny as a kid how you don't really appreciate it as much so um, I, I make special mention and special effort these days because it was an amazing thing uh, for yeah. him to do yeah well that's a great story so I want to fast forward now to AI that's a big topic so when did you start getting interested in AI so AI was more more around a way to solve a problem uh, than something I really pursued so uh, I did computer science and went through and built a telecommunications company and very focused around how I could obviously solve problems using technology. Um, and after I sold that company, I went and started a new company. And that company was really focused around how do we connect people through digital channels where there's more need for emotional connection. Emotional connection is so important in a digital world, but everything we were building in our digital world at that time was really boring and stale and forms, and it was removing the human touch. So we built this technology which could enable anyone to be on a website, click a button, and talk face-to-face -face with someone in the contact center. This is going back to the days where video conferencing was super expensive no one could do anything on the internet with video um, so it was quite novel really complex tech problem as well it was awesome heaps of fun building it but the interesting thing was uh, as we were working with customers um, in particular we had one customer and it was the australian government and they had a really big challenge around helping people with disabilities and getting their welfare payments and welfare support. So this is everything from helping people get carers to their home, to equipment, to even things like groceries, you name it. It's super important, right? And yet they had changed all these systems as governments do. It was horrific customer experience. Like some of the hold times were over two hours. And so they were looking at other innovative technology to help solve this problem. We thought having video and emotional connection would be a really important way of solving that problem. And whilst it, it would have solved a lot of things around being able to communicate through visual, not just audio, there was a real scale problem. And that's really where the government said, hey, what would be great is if there was a digital person at the end of this video call, not a real person, because then we could scale that to thousands and change this whole problem. And that's really where we started investigating AI and looking at what is available today. And there was not a huge amount to help solve that problem, but there was some core technology that we knew we could evolve and build on top of that would enable us to solve that problem. And that was going back to 2016 now that we actually built that and, uh, and changed the game. It was amazing. 
Did you have an idea that there was going to be such a need for it? I mean, your your initial inspiration was to solve this problem. Did you have any idea that it would grow the way it has and solve multiple problems on such a global scale? Well, the interesting thing was that where we started was around customer service and creating a better experience and solving for the customer service use case. What I didn't see was how powerful this would be as part of a new way of marketing and brand experience and how customers started thinking about, this isn't just about dealing with problems. This is about actually making a, a customer journey far more enjoyable and engaging right at the beginning. And, you know, I often talk about just where this will go now with you, when you think about even brand ambassadors, like the Geico Gecko is a really good one. Everyone knows, you know, like we see that Gecko on Super Bowl ads, on billboards everywhere, but actually still today, you know, they still have quite a standard form process for sign up and working through that. In the future with this kind of technology, you know, you could actually interact with the Gecko and create a far more engaging experience around that. So you come to the website and the Gecko's like, all right then. So 15% off, is it? And you kind of like... You do that very well. (laughs) That sounds just like it. But it's such a relatable character that everyone knows. That's why I use it often. But there's thousands, thousands of brand ambassadors that we've built through advertising and and strategies around them because personality matters and it's the best way to create emotional connection is through a personality. So all of a sudden my eyes were opened to the potential now of this technology well beyond just customer service. I think it's it's a much bigger part of the overall customer journey. Yeah, that's actually the word I was thinking of is potential. When you started, did you think about the potential? We just touched on digital humans, but I want to really dive into it a little bit because I find them fascinating. I actually went on your website and tried it out and I got my son on it as well. And we were checking out the digital Einstein. So can you explain what is a digital human? So a digital human is no different, actually, to what you would have seen in a movie or even a game, which is a CGI character in the way that they are obviously developed to look real and move and everything so that it creates the illusion of life, right? The difference with an AI digital human is it has the ability to now animate and think and listen on its own. And so when we talk about digital humans now, we're talking about interaction. We're talking about interactive digital humans that are completely dynamic so that you can be talking about all sorts of needs or topics and they're able to respond to that contextually so their emotions can change. They can speak to you and obviously listen to you in that process as well. And so this is now where unlike movies and unlike games, which was very heavily scripted. So normally what you do is you create these 3D models and you have a human in a suit. I don't know if you've ever seen them and they've got the white balls on them. Yeah. And and the human will actually act out the scene and then they will take that data and they'll basically use that to train a rig in the model. And so the, the character does it, but it can only do what the human has done before. And now... The AI does that automatically so it it can do it in milliseconds and figure out what it needs to do, what it needs to say, how it needs to move, all those kind of things. That is just, my mind is exploding right now. The thought of that, especially when you talked about think and listen, 
right? I mean, it's one thing to move and act and look, but think and listen. Who decides? I mean, who creates? I'm sure you have a team. I know I've read that you have like scientists and a bunch of different people from different industries come together. So who decides what a digital human? I mean, what do they look like? How do they sound? What do they say? How do they think? Can you get a little deeper into that? Yeah, I love this part of what we do. The way that you design how they look is very much a process that is brand-led. If you think about it, you're really thinking about who your audience is, what you want them to feel. And as such, you know, you're thinking about demographics, you're thinking about, is it one digital human? Is it multiple digital humans? So choice could be a really great way to deal with it. Or potentially you've already got a brand ambassador, you know, you're Nespresso and you want George Clooney. And so everyone can ask George, why do you keep looking so great? Yet you keep getting older. That doesn't happen to the rest of us, you know? So it's all those kind of things that you can work through as part of the how it looks and behaves. And a, and a personality is really key to that, especially, um, you know, when you think about a lot of our customers that we've worked with, they create a new personality. So they have a backstory because people just inherently, we're hardwired for connection. So we can't help but want to know more about who we're talking to. It happens human to human all the time, um, but it also happens human to digital human. And so a backstory is really important because it changes the way they even answer questions. If they're going to be more extroverted, a little bit quirky, a little bit of humor in there, makes a big difference to how you're connecting with that brand. And so all those elements come together as to how we train, how they look, how they speak, and also you know, how they think. That's a big part of it. Uh, the other part of this is obviously ensuring that what they say is on brand. What they say is going to represent the company in the best way. And so you have two types of training. You have supervised training. And this is where you teaching the digital human what they can say relative to the types of questions you're expecting to be asked. You say, sorry, did you say teaching? Yeah, or training. Yeah. So, so how I, <laughs> I'm just going like, how do you teach or train a digital human? So often you can train them by using examples. That's the best way. So you would say, here's an example of the intent of what someone's asking. So here's a whole lot of ways that they might ask a oh, question right. relating to that intent. So the intent might be, how much does this cost? Right. That's the intent. But you might ask that in several different ways. You might say, this looks really expensive. Can you do anything else? Or you might say, how much does it cost? So there's all these different examples. And so when you're training, you, you provide as many examples as you can. And then what the AI can do is then create a level of understanding. It's what called, it's called natural language understanding. And so it, it will be able to then have a confidence score around what people say. And if it's high enough confidence, it knows how it should answer. And that's supervised because you're saying that if your confidence is at this level, then you will say these things and you know what they're going to say. The other type of training is where it's more uh, generative. Uh, so it's more natural language generation. And that is where you've got a whole lot of data and you're basically telling the AI to create the sentence based on that data that you've provided and you put some rules like if they're going to ask about donald trump don't be talking about donald trump you know like if they're going to ask about 
sex, religion, politics. Don't be talking about that. Well, right? I was so. gonna, I was gonna say full disclosure. We were when we were playing around on your website and we were testing the. I can't remember her name, but it was the Jane. Was that her name? The digital Sophie. Human? Sophie. I think Sophie. And yeah. my son was having a little fun, and he was being a little cheeky, and she wouldn't answer. She's like, "I'm sorry, I will not answer that." Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's the, that's wow. the thing. We're also human nature, not just for connection, but we also like to try break technology. It's just a fun thing we do, yeah. right? Push the boundary. Especially a teenage boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. And so, yeah. so, wow. you, so we've had to figure out how you train for those things. And we've been doing this for a while now. So we're quite good at it. But uh, there's not a lot that we haven't seen before as I'm well. Sure. That. But yeah, that's the two ways that you train. And that's that informs the way that they respond on brand, but also the way you know it will it will appear that it is thinking about what you're saying, yeah. saying and come back with a, an appropriate response. So, as far as creating the digital human or developing it, how much input does the brand, who if a company hires you, let's say, and they want you to create a digital human for them? Well, we definitely work as a team, yeah. uh, so they they have a huge amount of input around. I would think a lot of those elements you just listed, right? Because they already have a good, a really good understanding of who their market is and how they want to appeal to that market. And so all we're doing is just effectively putting a structure in front of them to get the right information to then turn that into a really great experience. And then we just help curate the way that the responses work. If you've ever used the chatbot, really good example. If you ever used a chatbot and gone, this is the worst experience. Of course. Ever, right. <laughs> and sometimes it's not even because it doesn't know the answer to the question, although that happens a lot too. That's actually mostly very bad conversation repair. So it should be able to take you down a path to find the answer. But other than that, a lot of it just lacks personality. It just lacks the ability to make you feel important, right? Make it feel personalized and things like that. So a lot of what we do is just helping customers design conversation to be a little bit more human, a little bit more empathetic when needed, a little bit more fun when needed, and then do things like conversation repair. Because humans don't know the answer to every question, neither do digital humans. But what do we do well when we don't know? We're actually just more relational. We're actually able to, maybe you can explain this a bit better or give me a little bit more information. Maybe I can actually help connect this to the right place or the right person, right? Um, and that's how we that's how we design. That's amazing. I just find it so fascinating. So I read on your website, you had a really interesting blurb about mental health and how a great way that digital humans can be used is in the mental health world. And I found that really interesting. And I know this has to do with connection. And I want to talk a little bit more about connections. Why do people feel that digital humans are sometimes they're more comfortable talking to a digital human than an actual real human? Yeah, well, disclaimer, I'm not a mental health expert, no, yeah, yeah. At all, but, the, uh, but the way that we've seen some of our mental health experts use this technology yeah. has been just so eye-opening. So some of the feedback that we've had, one of the key, I think, ingredients to why this works so well is judgment plays such a big role and how we feel about sharing things that are more vulnerable. And when you think about digital humans, I think what's reasonably common for most people is that it's an experience that's easy to use. You're just talking, you know how to talk. But because that you know they're not human, which is an advantage, we're not trying to fool anyone that it's a person. We make it very clear that they're a digital human. It, It removes that judgment barrier. 
And so we've not only just seen that across our, you know, our customers who are using it in that way, we've got now university studies really validating that judgment is a big part of this. And just the accessibility and the trust that's needed uh, initially, I think that's also helping quite a lot um, with this type of technology. So that's, that's where I think it's, it's a really great way. It's not, it's not a replacement. I just think it's a great way of an entry point into people being able to open up, start to talk through some of their needs, what's going on. And then from there, I think that then can open up different programs, access to specialists, all sorts of things that I think just helps in this day and age. You know, isolation and loneliness is just just such a massive problem. Um, And that's why we actually created Einstein and made him free was because we we saw it going even worse through COVID and we just thought if we could just help in any way and we knew this is just the way people would have daily interaction, daily quizzes, things like that. So, um, yeah, I was really pleased that we did that. I find it so interesting, you know, I totally understand the concept of talking to a digital human and for sure bots are frustrating and you know that it's automated and everything. But when you talk about connection and you're talking about emotions, right? Because really that's what branding is, is connecting on a level with some another person or whatever, but making that emotional connection, right? Yes. And so when I think about the, the reason that mental illness, um, the mental health part of it stuck out in my mind is because you're really, you like you said, you're becoming vulnerable, but you're sharing emotion, but you're also sharing it with not a real human being. Like, so even though you say that they think and they listen, but they don't feel, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just curious how you create that connection without having any feelings there. I mean, you can have the words and you can have the actions and everything else, but the, what's missing is that heart, I guess, or the feeling. It makes me think of, do you remember that movie? It was quite a long time ago with Joaquin Phoenix. It was called Her. Do you, Did you ever watch that movie? I mean, yeah. right? He has a he falls in love with a computer. Now, it wasn't a digital human. I don't know what you would call it. I guess it was the beginning of AI before AI took off. And that was so unbelievable. But here you are, here we are. And I kind of go like, now they're making these real vulnerable connections with a digital human. I just want to get your take on that. Yeah, it's it's real. You know, like people, I think I wouldn't profess to have all the knowledge around the psychology of this, but there's there's something relatable in just the way that we could watch a Disney movie knowing these these are fake characters, but the storytelling draws us in and mm-hmm. we can actually feel sad and real and and cry and have emotions which shouldn't logically make sense. Right. But we do. But but I want to challenge you on that because I think you can have a reaction to stories. I mean, storytelling has been around for since the Stone Ages. And I think that's what storytelling is so good because it does motivate and instill emotion and reactions. But I guess what I'm saying is, but we don't talk to the movie or the book, you know, and, and have a two way. It's it's a one way sort of relationship. Whereas what I'm learning about digital humans is it's all, it's a two way relationship. And I'm just kind that's of right. one right. So I guess that's my question. Yeah. So the, the storytelling isn't, although I would argue that the same way that storytelling draws us into a relationship with the characters is the same way a two way conversation can do that as well, which is why you see such high connection in a two way interaction with a digital human so i think that's that's the key point is that we as humans we definitely have some hard wiring that plays into this and they don't and you don't have to be a human to human conversation for that to exist 
Yeah, that's the neat thing about what we're doing with this technology. And I think there's a lot of upside, but let's maybe talk about like the ethics side as well. Like the movie Her is a really good example where we... Did you like that movie? Yeah, I liked it because I think it was a really great conversational kind of movie, right? It opened up people's minds to thinking about what are some of the challenges with this technology and where could it go? I mean, it was a really well done movie and I did like, a lot more than just that but I think because so many people talk to me about that movie I think I oh, have really? like <laughs> I, I have a, a lot of conversations about it and I, yeah. I like it from the perspective that it really gets people thinking because part of you know what we're doing is we really believe in tech for good and uh, a lot of what we're trying to do is you know establish ourselves as a, a major player in the space to ensure that we can align to some really strong ethical values with this technology. And I think that's you know what we're trying to do with our customers is we get them to think about it. But equally so, why we're building the intelligence the way we are is because we think that there are certain companies out there that are playing a dangerous game and they're willing to see what happens. And I think, like I said, there's a lot of loneliness. There's a lot of challenges and I don't think necessarily just having people use digital humans as the only crutch that they rely on is is not a healthy thing so yeah lots to keep talking about keep working through yeah I mean you're just at the tip of the iceberg I have a feeling you know so going on that let's talk about the other thing that's happening these days which is the metaverse everywhere everyone's talking about it I personally don't even really understand it but AI is a big part of it. So what's your take on the metaverse and what positive impact do you think it's having on society and brands as well? Yeah, well, I'm very excited about this. I'm one of the people probably that have talked about it for quite some time, maybe not under the terminology metaverse though. So that's been great that it's kind of unified some of the, I guess, the, the, the lexicon that goes with the metaverse as it's kind of evolving. And I wouldn't worry about not understanding it because it really isn't fully established and and it's got many different views and opinions that surround how it should be and what it will look like and it's anyone's guess in some regards but I think the things that we have seen that I'm excited about is it's really about elevating in my opinion anyway it's about elevating the value of interactions and communities and personalities and I think one of the challenges I've always had with the internet and digital is it's it's lacks that and like sometimes I bang my head against the wall when I'm looking at you know what brands and marketing that like investing in this digital strategies I'm like it is so stale it's so terrible and you could do so much more and the good thing about the metaverse is it's kind of elevated this thinking like should we be doing so much more like it's kind of like if, if we want to be relevant in the future We really need to think more about how we're going to play into digital worlds where interaction and communities are going to exist. And I think for us, we were always excited about this because we knew that particularly when you think about personality and and existing in digital worlds, you're going to have two real forms of existence. There will be human controlled characters, just like we've seen with Fortnite, Minecraft, and things like that. But you're also going to have a a much more dominant presence of artificial intelligence-based characters that will serve and support, will represent brands, even potentially monetize what you know. So you yourself could have an autonomous digital human of you 
or a version that you create for you that could work on your behalf, that could teach people things, train languages or whatever your specialist skill is. Even if you've got a massive following, then you might even create experiences where you know your, your fans get to interact with you and different things like that. So I think a lot of that is still going to have a huge AI element because you can't sit in front of your computer and talk to thousands of people. So the craziest thing that I see is like how certain brands like experiment by like uh, you know like let's do a supermarket and a vr and it's just like that's the worst thing you could do like why would someone want to go in there and like have to put things from a shelf in their trolley and replicate the physical world in the digital world so i just think there there's a lot of exploring and that's kind of cool in itself so i'm not criticizing too much i think exploring is so important to how this is going to evolve but i believe wholeheartedly that the digital worlds that we'll be able to exist in will, will be such a level up on what we've ever experienced before in both Web 2.0 and the physical world, like truly immersive environments that adjust based on what's of interest to us or what's happening in a conversation or working with a brand. So I always talk about even things like if I was Nike, I would be bringing digital Michael Jordan into a virtual experience where I build and design my own sneakers and I create that and then I get that as both an NFT, I get that turning up on my doorstep so I can wear these new Nike ears that I've created and I've had this cool interaction with Michael Jordan and he's all AI powered, right? Like those are the kind of things I think are going to really be like more mainstream in the coming years. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask you actually is how you see brands going into the metaverse. I already see it happening. You know, there's been a couple Adidas is one that's in there and okay. Part of my ignorance. I can't, I'm trying to think of the name of the monkeys. What's, what are they called? The famous, the popular yeah, the, metaverse monkeys. Yeah. Or, what's the term? <laughs> Dead monkey the, or do you know what they're called? <laughs> Am I totally off? It's <laughs> <laughs> the ape, ape Yacht Club. Ape, <laughs> dead Ape. Dead, are they called Dead Ape, though, or something? Isn't that oh, you're talking about the Dead Ape? I didn't know the Ape Yacht Club. I thought you were talking about the Ape Yacht Club. Dead Ape? I don't know. Uh, no, I think it's a character in a game that you see them wearing. Because my industry, I do swag, right? So I do all branded apparel, and I work with, I sell, like, Nike and Adidas and all these brands. And now I see that these brands, and you can actually go in the metaverse and these dead monkeys or people are probably laughing, but these dead apes are like, hey, there's something ape. And they're wearing these brands. Like they're wearing like the Adidas shirt and they're wearing the shorts and the shoes. So they are starting to do that. You're like going, this chick's crazy. I have no idea what she's talking about. But I, I, I I'm, guess my I'm scratching point, my head. I'm trying to think what you're talking about. Okay. But. Well, well, I'm sure I'll get lots of people reaching out to me after. But yeah. I guess you you had mentioned about Nike, and I think that's a really good point because I'm curious to know how you see the benefit for brands getting more involved in the metaverse and to monetize off of it. Yeah, I think what you're seeing early on, I think is is really interesting because, like, I saw even. Uh, JP Morgan, they, you know, they had a presence in Decentraland and you're seeing quite early plays either in NFT right now or some of these more metaverse Web3 based platforms or worlds. And for me, that's the very first stages of it. I think it was so early. To, I, I find that it's a strategy that's probably quite smart because you get in early, you're learning early. 
And so you're going to take a lot of advantage out of that. But at this very point in time, it feels to me a little bit like product placement. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes. you're, you're trying to get a brand and a presence in a place that could be super valuable to you in the future. And that makes makes sense. It's, it's not a bad thing at all. I, I do believe as the metaverse kind of evolves, again, kind of like what we've seen with NFTs, if you look at NFTs, you know, there's this huge, obviously, hype cycle that was enabled artists or you know emerging i guess companies to create something that may or may not have value pumped up really big some of them went for crazy amounts of money but didn't offer a lot of utility there's not really a lot of ongoing value that's associated with them other than supply and demand that i guess owners of those nfts are going to have to wait and see how that plays out right but for for NFTs now, you're seeing huge amounts of utility start to come in where it's going to be about what access does that give you? So it's not just about the scarcity and status kind of value of NFTs, but also the access that's associated with that. So what's the utility of it? Are you able to you know, meet with key celebrities or does it give you access into certain events you know, or access to buy into new investments or other things like that? And so as we see NFTs kind of take that path, I believe Metaverse is very similar. There might be a a high degree of focus right now on location of being in the world or being in these real estate locations. Mm -hmm. But I believe that that will then evolve to what are you doing for people? What's the experience? Why do they really care about that? And what are you drawing in? And I think that's we're starting to build more experiences, like I talked about, like the Nike example or things like that. That's where it's just going to be so engaging, uh, you know, and people are going to keep coming back and they're going to tell their friends about it. And it's going to have directly associated, associated attributable value, right? What's the attribution that's now coming from this? And I think that's where it's going to level up, I think, for a lot of brands. And probably a lot more interactive, like you said before about connection. I mean, now you go from having these digital shoes in the metaverse to them showing up at your door that you can actually wear. I love that. Totally. Yeah. So I can see how that would definitely add value and be a bonus for people, for the consumer and for the brands, right? So it's a win. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about the critics of the metaverse. I mean, I think what you're doing is great. I just want to start off by saying, I think what you're doing is great. I love it. It's so interesting. Full disclosure, a lot of it goes right over my head because it's just so new and I, I still can't get over the idea of a digital human thinking, but that's not my background. So I applaud you for everything you're doing, but there are critics out there who talk about the metaverse and they describe it as the next dystopia. I know, you know, the idea is for it to be the next utopia, but at the end of the day, I feel like, or I shouldn't say I feel like, but what I've read is that people are playing God and they're creating this metaverse, universe, this place where they are going to control everything. They're going to control what's where, you talk about real estate, you talk about how people are acting, how people are thinking. I mean, it's it's all going to be controlled. So I just want to get your take and what do you have to say to the critics out there? Yeah, I think without a doubt, there is always going to be those with a lot of motive to maximize the revenue opportunity by controlling. I do believe, however, that the metaverse has sufficient support and an ecosystem of very passionate 
startups and tech companies that want to see it for more as a standard than a locked-in, winner-take-all, I control everything. Arguably, some people might say that about Meta. It's yet to be seen what they do and how they're going to go about it. They seem to be talking about opening up to standards and things like that. But, You're but talking ultimately, about like the, the old Facebook new Meta? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah that's right. which is where a lot of the criticisms pointed at at the moment. But I would say that like the internet that we enjoy today, it's built on standards that enable businesses, education, commerce, everything to exist. And we interconnect. It's not like you have to think about everyone has to go to one website where we can see everything, right? We all can create sites. They interconnect. We have really awesome search algorithms that help us discover and find. And I believe the metaverse will be a variation of that where you'll have number of worlds that will have standards that interconnect so that your avatars and your your digital assets can traverse between them. But they all have different levels of value, different levels of experience that you're looking for, even different ways of accessing some of these worlds. I think you know, we use, we see Fortnite right now, not as a major VR play, but everyone's just sitting on computers, Xboxes, PlayStation, et cetera, and experiencing a 3D world through a 2D screen. Mm-hmm. And that's got huge penetration. So I think just thinking about Metaverse also, not just as a VR, AR, or mixed reality solution, but more that these will just be more immersive worlds that will evolve over time. So the Metaverse itself won't be contained by one company if it is to have the longevity and the impact that I believe it has. So as a business or brand, why would, if I was a business owner, what would, why would I want to invest in a digital human? What could they do for me and for my brand and to help me create brand awareness? Yeah, great question. So I think, you know, ultimately as, as a business owner, what you are hoping you can achieve is that your brand will connect with your target market and that they'll feel great about the brand. They'll be loyal to the brand. In turn, that will help improve conversion, uh, new sales, uh, lifetime value of customers, things like that. And so first and foremost, at the very beginning of any customer journey with your brand, you're probably spending a good amount of money advertising You're probably doing everything you can to get that top of funnel and connecting with that audience. But a lot of a lot of that is just sending content at them. You know, how many emails do we get every day from brands? How many people get excited about those emails? I'd say very, very few, right? And that's probably one of the more common ways. How many of us are now watching TV advertisements? Not many. I pay to get ads turned off. Yeah. So, you know, you're having to work pretty hard through social media and other channels right now. You get a small snippet of time to get our attention and work through that. But in saying that, you know, you can use those small snippets and those moments to actually bring someone into something engaging, an experience that people love and will talk about. And that's where I think a digital human will change the game because that's where you're able to actually invite them into an experience that takes it to a whole new level, not just as an experience that might be fun or engaging, but something that could be super helpful. If we take any example, I mean, I could take maybe a less exciting example. Let's take financial services, maybe buying your first home, right? I mean, I get heaps of this kind of spam email all the time, but there would be an amazing experience which says, hey, if you're interested in understanding how to make the best decisions, talk to this digital human five minutes, could change the game, whatever, right? And if I clicked on it and it was an actual digital human who was actually able to take me through a process of like, 
what you need to do to understand where your credit scores are, what we could do around your rates, what are some of the advantages around the different mortgage structures and, and how you could play that into your life planning or things like that and make that a really helpful experience. You know, we've seen this exact example have incredible results. We've had telecommunications companies do over 200% conversion rates just by using a digital human to help people understand what is the right broadband plan and what kind of Wi-Fi do I need to set up at home. And I think often I talk about like, this is more about creating interactions where the goal for a lot of people is also like trust and confidence to make the right decision. You know, like if I need to order something on Amazon, I already have ordered it a hundred times. I don't need to talk to someone about that, right? That's pure e-commerce at its best. But often there's these moments and these products and these situations where I want to really feel like I'm going to make the right decision. And it's really important. And so you can help people through that process just using a digital human and, and have this incredible brand experience that they'll tell people about all day long. I love that. When you have digital humans, I'm assuming, are they're just on the website? I mean, they aren't actually like as an email sent out or you talked about not sending an email, but how do you connect that digital human with your audience and with the consumer? It's actually a good good point you raised. So we do obviously a lot of our interactions via existing digital channels. So if it's on a website, you can talk to the digital human on a website. Right. There's nothing to download. It's, it's like YouTube, but you can talk two-way. Yeah. Right? And same for mobile apps. Some of our customers do it on mobile apps today. And obviously with the metaverse, we're doing some work in, in virtual reality as well. But most of our customers, 99% of them, exist on websites and mobile apps. Uh, actually, there's a few in kiosks too and physical retail stores. We actually have a few in there as well. You have, but, sorry, um, you have digital humans in physical kiosks? Yeah, and retail like stores. Like yeah, a like a touch screen. You can oh, go wow. up and, okay. Yeah, we got customers who have actually got unmanned retail stores. So you can literally go in and order things and talk to a digital human and, and actually get help, change your plan, things like that. It's really, really cool. So um, It's kind of yeah. scary, though, because all these people are going like, I'm going to lose my job. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. So, yeah. Yeah, that is. That yeah. is. And it's a big conversation. I know. And we, and we have it a lot. Um, yeah. But the, the point you raise is actually another really good one. When you're thinking about going back to your initial question about what would I say to business owners? What should they be thinking? Well, I think the, the reality is we've missed an opportunity to have a personality that people connect to and relate to all the way through a customer journey across all channels. So if you think about maybe it's, I'm going to think about a really good example. Yeah, who's a great example? Let's say flow from Progressive. And so you've got flow that you see on advertisement we kind of get to know her through all the great storytelling and 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 things that are used super bowl ads and everything else right but the cool thing about this is if you're truly using omni channel we can also have email campaigns which are emails from flow right so she's now sending that through we can have we go online and have an interaction we can make that fun but we can onboard you and flow does the onboarding with a bit of human that's a digital human face to face you pick up the phone and you call the call center and we actually have the same brain that we trained for the digital human now driving the voice only. So now you're talking to flow through her voice on there. And so that continuity and consistency is so key, but it's great because you're building this emotional connection with the personality versus think about what businesses do today. It's disparate technology. And so somehow we got in our head that customers get excited about having a chatbot and an email and an IVR. And it's like, these are just technologies. No one cares about that. 
if anything, we want to solve our problem and understand how this is going to help us, but it gets so much better and more elevated if it's a personality that we like and that we oh, yeah. expect all the way through. I think that's the next big shift we'll see. And then when the metaverse is there too, then you've also got the ability to meet the characters, the digital humans, the brand ambassadors and environments that are going to make that even more compelling for storytelling and adventures and things like that. So It's amazing. I mean, I'm sure we could talk for hours. <clears throat> These are all questions. Like I said, I was sitting around the dinner table last night with my family and we were talking about, and these were questions that we were talking about. And I thought, I'm going to ask, right? So yeah. I really appreciate you taking time to answer them. And I feel that we have just hit the tip of the iceberg with this whole thing with digital humans and the metaverse. And I'd love to sit down with you, you know, one or two or three years from now, and we'll see where we're at then. Yeah. It'd be crazy. So thank you so much, Danny. I really appreciate it. If people want to learn more about you and about unique and digital humans what's the best way for them to connect with you uh, the website is the easiest way um, you can go to unique uneq.com or if you want to go for an easier one digitalhumans.com that's us as well same place and really easy to get more information that way and if you want to connect to me directly on linkedin danny thompson ceo of unique on linkedin be happy to chat to anyone. That's great. Well, I really appreciate it. And you got to check out the digital Einstein when you're there too. It's kind of fun. Well, thank you again. It's so nice to meet you and I look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, it's been heaps of fun. Thanks for oh. having me on the podcast. It's been oh, great. It's my pleasure. All right. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. And there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation and learned a few things to help you with your branding. This show is a work in progress, so please remember to rate and review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. And if you're interested in getting people to fall in love with your brand, feel free to send me a private message on Instagram or LinkedIn under, you guessed it, Branding Badass. Branding Matters was produced, edited, and hosted by Jolie Goodson, also me. So thanks again, and until next time, here's to all you badasses out there.